Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 285, and uh, I think a short episode today. My belief, I got five topics, probably four breakouts for YouTube coming from this episode. We'll talk about Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Bills. We'll talk about Sam Darnold and the dysfunction that is the New York Jets. We'll talk about the Jaguars and the Dolphins from last night on Thursday Night Football. I'll do, I guess, a weekend preview. Uh, I'll talk about the, I don't have like a lot of predictions for college football, but there are seven games going on I think are worth keeping your eye on. Like they're on my radar. We'll talk about those. Then we'll do kind of a more in-depth preview of the weekend for the NFL week three. I want to start today's episode with maybe, I guess the word celebration. I want to just celebrate and appreciate the Buffalo Bills quarterback, Josh Allen. The dude has gotten so much better. It's a blast to watch this year. I mean, this guy came into the league with uh, a lot of flaws. I mean, really, he was raw, very talented. Josh Allen came into the league, though, with a lot of problems, a lot of things he needed to work on. And watching Josh Allen this year has been so cool because you're starting to see all the things he's added to his game. And I I just want to applaud him. The hard work's paying off, Josh. And it's so cool to watch Josh Allen. He's just... Taking a step forward before our eyes. I love seeing it. Uh, probably my favorite thing he's added to his game this year is that he's got touch now. He's learned that not every single throw needs to be a fastball. You know, for example, on Sunday, he made so many beautiful throws against tight coverage where he just took a little bit off. He would perfectly float the ball exactly where it needs to be. And I just, man, Sunday was huge in the rain. Josh Allen balled out against Miami. He threw for 415 yards, four touchdowns. He ran almost like an air raid offense on Sunday. And I just had a great time diving into the film. Now, this offseason, Buffalo added a receiver, Stephon Diggs, from Minnesota, from the Vikings. And adding Stephon Diggs really added so much to their offense. It's really paid off. That move has been already, after just two weeks, that move has been a massive, massive move for the Buffalo Bills. It made them way better. He adds to their offense and really... Having Stephon Diggs is part of what helped Josh Allen take this big step forward in his development. And it's so cool to see the little mechanical tweaks that Josh Allen made to his mechanics when he throws the football. There's this beautiful ball down the right sideline to Stephon Diggs against Miami where he does this like Aaron Rodgers-esque hop with his right foot to get the ball out quickly and to avoid getting hit. And I'm just so excited. We're watching Josh Allen you know, just grow as a quarterback. I love it, man. Again, came into the league super physically talented, but incredibly raw, had a lot to learn. And the step forward he's taking is so cool. Now, he's still this crazy athlete, by the way. I mean, Josh Allen has always been, we know, this big, hulking, massive dude with a cannon for an arm. And, you know, against Miami, for example, he had this throw where he's running to the right, on the run, throws a a ball down the right sideline into this tiny window. And uh, not many guys can do that, man. There are throws that Josh Allen makes. You go, oh, my goodness. That, that's just not something that, like, I love Gardner Minshew, the Jaguars quarterback. He's one of my favorite humans in the league. He can't do some of the stuff that Josh Allen does. He's not physically capable. And I'm telling you, man, Josh, can, Josh Allen can run against the Jets. There were multiple, multiple plays where the dude was totally dead to rights. And he broke tackles in the backfield, avoided a big loss, ran around, and got a nice gain. 
And I just, I want to, this segment, the point of the segment for you, in case I don't want you to miss it, the improvement Josh Allen has made is so, so impressive to me. I love it. It's fun. He's really cool to watch. And he's no longer just this crazy, raw, physically gifted quarterback. No, he's becoming polished. I, I love seeing that. Now, honestly, when I watched Josh Allen week one and week two, the film of that, those two games, I think we, what we're seeing from Josh Allen is, what, is a good example of what Justin Herbert, the quarterback in L.A. for the Chargers, could become. You know, Say what you want about Justin Herbert, but if he figures things out in the NFL— there's going to be trouble for other teams around the league because Justin Herbert is six foot six, two forty. He's got a cannon for an arm, and he can run. A lot of that sounds like Josh Allen. They're very similar athletes from a physical standpoint. And Josh Allen may be the blueprint for Justin Herbert how to become polished, how to learn how to grow as a quarterback. Now, I want to be very, very clear: the work is not done for Josh Allen. He's got work to do moving ahead. Nobody's perfect. Neither is he. There's still a couple of decisions every game where you kind of cringe away and go, Josh, like you're killing it, and then you throw that ball. You know, Kyle Van Noy should have had a pick six in week two against the Bills and Miami game. Uh, Josh simply did not see him drop into the passing lane. Got lucky the interception was dropped by Kyle Van Noy. Against Miami, Stephon Diggs also bailed him out a lot where Josh made a really dangerous throw, and he seemed to not see the corner at all, dropping back into coverage. The guy isn't perfect. But oh my gosh, he is really, really good. And I I am all in. I cannot wait to watch the Buffalo Bills face off against the New England Patriots this year. That matchup, it feels like a a, a wild game. I think it's going to come down to the final play. Something similar to what we saw with Seattle and New England earlier this year. Um, I just want to praise Josh Allen. He has really gotten better every single year. And this year, Josh has taken a really massive step forward as a quarterback. Well done, Josh. The hard work's paying off. And uh, it is a ton of fun to see. Now, let's talk about the other team in New York, the other team in the AFC East in New York. Uh, Not the Giants, they're in the NFC East. Watching the New York Jets this year, and really last year and the year before, it's horrendous and it's painful. And, you know, the hardest thing for me, though, I got to say, seeing the lack of support around the Jets' young quarterback, Sam Darnold. (sighs) It just wears me out. It, I, I, I tried to watch the Jets' week one game multiple times. I watched it a couple weeks. You know, when it happened live, I was trying to watch it, and I turned it off. I was like, I can't watch this beatdown. It's depressing. It's not fun. I forced myself to go back and watch the All-22 film. And I guess maybe I should start by saying this, because I don't want to be clear about where I stand on Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold occasionally makes a bad mistake, where you go... Man, I don't, I don't, that's a bad play. I don't, know what you, I, I don't know how to defend some of the stuff that Sam Darnold does. Now, I think if I was trying to defend it, I would say that they happen because he knows he's on a bad team, and sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much. But a bad play is a bad play. I can't really defend that. However, if you watch Sam Darnold, the level of talent, his ability level, is undeniable. Any New York Jets fan that watches, and, and God bless you because I feel bad for you watching the New York Jets this year, you see that Sam Darnold clearly has all the physical tools to be successful. He, he has it. The problem is he's got to be put in a position to succeed, and New York has not done that. Last year, this year, year after year, we're like waiting and waiting. When is Sam Darnold going to get some help, going to get some support? 
And it's not just from the people, the players around him. It's the coaching staff. It's everything. He's often running for his life, trying to survive, trying to make plays. Some of Sam's best throws are dropped. And I'm like, oh, come on. Come on. By the way, the guy calling plays and designing plays in New York, Adam Gase, he just seems to have no idea what he's doing. There's a really bad screenplay where the timing's all bad. The linemen don't get out front to block. It's just a giant mess. And you see that so often where you're like, what is going on in New York? Why can't they have, they have a good quarterback who needs help? And you can start saying, well, Sam isn't making good habits, yada, yada. But that's on coaching. He needs to be coached up. And so the reality is I've said this for a long, long time. I said it last year. I did a whole film analysis on Sam Darnold. Sam is just not getting the support he needs in New York. And I know it's people say, well, you gotta, you're making excuses. Sure. But the Jets have failed him to this point in his career. I mean, there's this incredible throw he made against the 49ers last week. And it's almost become a meme at this point because, you know, Sam on the run throws a dime for a touchdown. And it's just an incredibly difficult throw. You go, I, that's, that's wild. I, not a lot of guys can do that. And kind of the main point of talking about that and illustrating that is that, number one, Sam is very much overlooked and underappreciated because he's on a bad team. But number two, Sam can ball. I mean, the dude is highly capable. He just needs some help. And I am begging the New York Jets, please, please, please do not waste the career of your young quarterback. I'm asking you. We see time and time again, there are a lot of quarterbacks that come into the league And the reason why they fail is not because they're bad, but because the situation around them is just awful and abysmal. And if you can't make it work with Sam Darnold, it's the team's fault. Quite frankly, you're asking too much of Sam Darnold. You're saying, hey, put the team on your back. Carry these guys to victory. Like, I, that's ridiculous. Get him a good coach. Get him some dudes who can play around him. Get him some support. And I just am so, I'm embarrassed for the Jets. It's hard to watch. I feel bad for them. And the moral of this story is if you get a young quarterback, get them help. Get a coach, get an offensive line, get receivers. Like, you look, I feel bad. The Broncos have this young quarterback, Drew Locke. He got hurt. He hurt his shoulder. But they have done so much to support him. They spent money in free agency. They traded for guys. They drafted a ton of receivers. Like, going into the year, you felt really, really good about the Denver Broncos' second-year quarterback, partially because he had K.J. Hamler. He had... Jerry Judy, he had Cortland Sutton, he had a good tight end, he had an upgraded offensive line, two good running backs. You're like, wow, the pieces around him are unbelievable. And you look at the Jets and you go, oh, is, is anyone ever going to get Sam Darnold help? It's, it's painful to watch. And so, I don't know, man, I, I feel bad for Jets fans. I feel even worse for Sam Darnold. He's look, he made it look bad because of the team around him and because of a, the refusal, for whatever reason, to upgrade a coach. And to get him help. I don't know why the Jets keep sticking with Adam Gase. They got to. I, I don't like calling for people's job. I know people. People call for my job. So I'm like, I don't. My dad. I Growing up as a kid, my dad lost his job. And it was painful. We were homeless. It was not fun. So I don't like calling for anybody's job. But I don't know how you look at what the Jets are doing with Adam Gase and say, oh, that's good. Let's support that. Because that's a bunch of great decisions are being made in a row. I, I can't support what's happening in New York with Adam Gase, and uh, I I think the victim here is Sam Darnold. He's going to get a lot of blame. People hate him. I think that's totally wrong, and uh, I just, it's too bad. It's a giant shame what's happening in New York uh, and what's happening to the Jets quarterback, Sam Darnold.
I want to talk about last night's game. On Thursday night football, the Dolphins beat the Jaguars 31-13. to And I don't think the outcome of that game was all that surprising. If you look at what happened week one and week two with the Miami Dolphins, they were competitive with the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots in the first two weeks. They're better than people give them credit for. Miami can play. They got some, they're, they're doing a lot of interesting stuff. They got a lot of cohesion as a team. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, man, I feel bad. It's such a shame because if Ryan Fitzpatrick was 37 years old, it was, uh, was 25 or 23 instead of 37. He's 37 years old as the quarterback for the Dolphins. He's a franchise quarterback. Like, you feel good about the direction they're going. And unfortunately, he's at the end of the career, not the beginning of his career. But I also got to say, like, he's such a good mentor for Tua Tungvaloa, the rookie quarterback behind him. And I, I, everything the Dolphins are doing right now, I love. I feel good about it. They're headed in such a good direction. And it's just awesome. Like, I, I can't remember the last time Miami was really an interesting team I thought was headed in a good direction. I'm glad they are finally now. Now, the story of the game to me from last night is, in fact, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the 37-year-old quarterback. Like, there was a play. He's, he has a rushing touchdown. He's running off the field. Dude looks so happy. He's got a giant grin. He's hitting people on the top of the head. Like, I, I love watching the dude play. My girlfriend's next to me watching the game going, that dude looks both terrified and happy at the same time where he's, like, running. And you see on his face, he, like, she goes, it looks like he's saying, I have a family. Don't kill me. <laughs> uh, but Fitzpatrick last night was 18 for 20 passing, had 160 yards, two touchdowns, started the game 12 for 12. Just an incredibly efficient performance and uh, deserves a lot of credit. Now, Miami's running back, Miles Gaskin, is a guy. He was a seventh-round pick in 2019 out of the University of Washington. I watched him play live. And uh, the dude ran well. He caught five passes out of the backfield as well. I enjoy watching Miles Gaskin have success out of college. It's really, really cool. And uh, I, I just, I don't know that a lot of people are highlighting Miles Gaskin today, but as a guy from Washington, watching him play uh, in college, watching him play at Pol- in Pullman, Washington live, it's cool to see the guy have some success in college. Now, Minshew, the guy from Pullman, Gardner Minshew from Washington State University. Maybe the word I would use to describe Gardner Minshew, unfortunately, because I love the guy. The word I would use to describe Gardner Minshew on Thursday night is underwhelming. Maybe, maybe even disappointing a little bit, where last night I kept waiting and waiting and waiting. When is Gardner going to turn it on? When is there going to be like a shift in gear and he's going to step up and bring his team back into the game? And the reality is that it never happened. And even more of the reality, which is really unfortunate, is that there was this play where Gardner had a receiver open down the right sideline, should have been a touchdown, and uh, he missed. He just totally missed the throw. Now he got hit. He was getting hit as he threw. You can make excuses if you want, but the reality is that that's a play that's going to remain in people's heads for a long time. Uh, Conley down the sideline, wide open, should have been a touchdown. And instead, it was a brutal miss. And so I I really felt kind of bad for Gardner Minshew, honestly. Like, he was missing his best receiver, DJ Chark, last night. And um, he's out with an injury. And Gardner, I I don't know. Like, there's little problems with the Jaguars roster that we could get into if we want. Um, you know, they were limited from throwing the ball downfield, partially because they didn't have DJ Chark in the lineup. Now, there was this also, there was this really unfair moment that hurt the Jaguars last night. The Jaguars left tackle, 
Cam Robinson got thrown out of the game for making contact with a ref. And I hate the call. I thought it was really stupid. It was terrible. Because not only did it hurt the Jaguars' offense, it was also deeply unjust, unfair, stupid, bad call. I hated it. You know, Cam was on, in case you didn't see the play, Cam was on his back looking up. He's got a helmet on. And the refs came to try to, you know, pull people out of the pile, kind of clear things up on the field. And a ref put his hand in the face of Cam Robinson, and Cam pushed it away. Immediately, a flag was thrown. He got disqualified. And the refs there were incredibly unfair and need to realize Cam Robinson is on his back. And from his perspective, with a helmet on, all he can see is a pair of hands grabbing and kind of clawing at his face. I don't know about you. I hate when people touch my face, my neck, my face. It's not fun. Now, on a football field, especially, like, get at, like, you're at the bottom of a pile. Like, get out of here. Get off me. You think it's the other team. How could he have known that's a referee kind of invading his privacy, invading his space? I just think it's incredibly ridiculous for a ref to get in his space and then punish him when Cam goes, kind of pushes his hand away. That's not a penalty. You don't throw a guy out for that. Say, hey, I'm sorry. Miscommunication, but... Do not ruin a guy's night because the ref, you, the referee, decided to put yourself into his area, his personal bubble. I just, I don't know, man. I, if you're poking in a guy's face and then you get mad at him for being like, what are you doing? You're the person that's wrong there. So I thought throwing out Cam Robinson in that moment was incredibly dramatic, stupid. I hated it. It's a terrible, terrible call. By the refs. Again, I don't even care that it affected the Jaguars. I just looked at that and went, that's incredibly unjust. That's unfair and ridiculous. And so I'm getting angry, but I, oh, I just, it made me so upset. Um, now, once again, the Jaguars undrafted rookie free agent running back James Robinson was awesome. The other Robinson twin, not really. Uh, he's not a twin. They're not even related, I don't think. Uh, in fact, they're not related. Let's be clear. Uh, James Robinson ran for 46 yards and two touchdowns. He also caught six passes for 83 yards. I enjoy watching James Robinson. He's a really cool story. And uh, I just think that's one of the, like, my favorite stories of the year is this guy, an unknown dude from Illinois State, enters the league. Nobody expects him to be good. And lo and behold, he does a great job for the Jaguars. He's their starting running back on day one. And he's kept it going now three weeks in a row. Now, I want to say, despite the fact that Gardner Minshew was imperfect on Thursday night. And I got to say, like, I think he was a bit too safe. He threw a couple checkdowns early where I thought he should have taken a shot downfield. Um, he had some weird throws that downfield later where he probably shouldn't have completed them. Uh, and all that said, though, I think despite Gardner's weird imperfections on Thursday night, the Jaguars offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden, really seems to like him. Seems like Jay Gruden... And Gardner enjoy each other's company. They get along well. They, they're in each, uh, watching them interact on the sideline for me is incredibly encouraging. I go, oh, they're smiling. They're high-fiving. They like each other. There, there's a good relationship there. You can just see that by the way they interact and their, uh, their, um, their body language, I guess. Uh, and so I'm just curious to see how do things go? How do things progress as the year goes on? I think Gardner's the guy that's got to earn his job. Jay Gruden's done a good job. Uh, Jay Gruden's stable there. The question is, can and maybe not, if the entire staff gets gutted, then Jay Gruden would lose his job. So it's in the best interest of Jay Gruden and Gardner Minshew to do well together. And they're a good team. I like them. They're interesting. 
And because of that, I'm curious to see how the year continues and how it goes on for the Jacksonville Jaguars and for Gardner Minshew, a guy who is very ferociously fighting to keep his job. So I'm excited. We'll see what uh, comes next for the Jaguars. And uh, I hope that Gardner Minshew can stick around and keep his job with the Jaguars. If not, I believe he can go somewhere else and keep his job and maybe not keep his job, but go somewhere else and have an impact on another team down the road, whether it's next year or sitting behind an older quarterback, learning for a year, then playing again in the future. I don't know, but I don't think Gardner's career is over after just this year, no matter what happens. And I'm excited to watch Gardner play the rest of this year to see if he can keep going and keep things better and maybe earn a job and keep his spot in Jacksonville. Okay, I want to talk about college football real quick. We're flying through today's episode. I guess that's intentional, too. There are seven college football games this weekend that are on my radar. Now, it's hard to know what to expect. It's the opening weekend for the SEC. There's a lot of games I go, like, I I have no idea what's going to happen. I know some of the players in this game, and we'll see what goes down. So this is not a preview or prediction. This is just me sharing the list I have of games that are on my radar that I think are interesting or fascinating for this week in college football. So number one, you got K-State at Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, I believe, is the number three team in the country. They got Spencer Rattler, this ridiculously good quarterback. I'm excited to watch him against a more legit defense than, like, who'd they play a couple weeks ago? Like, some random FCS school. I'm like, that's not even fun or interesting to watch. You also have Florida at Ole Miss. Going to be interesting. Kyle Trask and Ole Miss. That'll be fun. I guess another, I want, I'm curious to watch Tennessee now that I mention it. I don't know who they're playing this week. Somebody unranked. But Tennessee is interesting because I believe they have Felipe Franks, the quarterback who transferred from Florida at Tennessee. I could be wrong. Maybe it's somewhere else. But either way, I got to track down Felipe Franks, see where he is, and follow that game, see how he does this year. Um, you also have Mississippi State at LSU. That is Mike Leach, the new Mississippi State head coach. It's his first game coaching at Mississippi State with the Bulldogs at LSU in Death Valley. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have a full crowd there or not. I would guess no, but I don't. I have no idea. It's, it is the South. They seem to be very liberal about letting people uh, anywhere in their stadium they want. And which I look, if I can ever go to a game at Death Valley in my lifetime, I would love to be there at a night game while Death Valley is going crazy. Now, we also have Alabama at Missouri. That'll be interesting uh, to see. I want to watch Alabama's quarterback situation, see what happens in that game. We'll watch Florida State at Miami. De'Eric King against a more legit defense like Florida State. Uh, I think De'Eric King, the quarterback of Miami, and Rhett Lashley, the offensive coordinator, they're this crazy good, interesting duo. And I can't wait to watch them this week against, hopefully, a more talented defense of better players. Uh, we also have Kentucky at Auburn. Kind of weird right now. If you look at the college football rankings, you have the number eight team in the nation is Auburn, but also the number eight team in the nation is Texas. I've never seen this where they have the same exact amount of votes and they're a complete tie. I don't know how that happens. It's very weird, uh, but Texas and Auburn both are sharing the number eight spot in the nation for right now. Very weird. I'm sure that it's like a weird coronavirus thing or something where they're like, well, their year hasn't started. This year has. I, I don't know how it works, but it's very weird and bizarre. Now, we also, so we have Kentucky at Auburn. That'll be interesting. Two teams that I believe are ranked. I think Kentucky's 22 in the nation. Auburn is number eight. You know, eight number A. Well, eight number B is Texas. And that leads me to Texas, which is playing at Texas Tech this weekend. And uh, 
I look around college football, a lot of interesting games. Now, Clemson doesn't play this week, uh, unfortunately, as far as I can tell. And uh, I don't know, man. I just, uh, there's a lot of games this week that are going to be interesting and fascinating to watch. The SEC is starting, and it should be a ton of fun to watch what happens. And uh, I, I'm very, very excited for college football this weekend. Now, NFL Week 3 is here. I want to run through the schedule for this weekend. I'm not really sure if I would call this predictions or not. Uh, maybe interesting storylines. Maybe an NFL preview for the weekend. But right off the bat, there are two games I'm looking forward to. They're both primetime games. This is Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football. On Sunday Night Football, you have the Packers at the New Orleans Saints. So Drew Brees versus Aaron Rodgers, two really good aging quarterbacks. Um, Now, I think the Packers' defense is better. I also believe that Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback. If someone said, hey, Zach, pick a winner, I would say, I think the Packers are going to win. But the reality is it's really hard to tell what's going to happen. I I, I just don't know enough about these two teams yet. I haven't seen them play enough yet. Uh, And we're going to learn a lot. I thought that, you know, the Packers have dominated the first two weeks. They dominated by uh, the Minnesota. They dominated Detroit. We saw the Saints lose on Monday Night Football last week to the Raiders. So it's hard to tell. Like, and now this is also football. Like you can't in the NFL, every team has an opportunity to beat every single team any Sunday. Like if you have a bad game, you lose. It's not like college football where New Mexico State is never going to beat Alabama in college football. So I'm curious to see. This is a very even matchup from what I can tell. And what I'm excited for is if it's not an even matchup, we're going to learn a lot about New Orleans. We're going to learn a lot about Green Bay. We're going to learn a lot about these two teams and how they play each other on Sunday night. Going to be an awesome game. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it with Tom Grassi next week. Going to be really, really cool. Now, on Monday night football, you have the Kansas City Chiefs at the L.A. At the L, uh, what am I saying? Wow. At the Baltimore. I saw R. My notes say R. I went, ooh, the Rams. No, no. The reason why this game is exciting is it's the Chiefs at the Ravens. That's Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson, the two most recent NFL MVPs squaring off against each other. And really, you got to say, too, finally a good Monday night football game. Monday night football for a long time has been very, like, the matchups suck. The broadcasting hasn't been very interesting. Finally, we're getting a good, interesting, exciting Monday night football game. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to be have a good time enjoying the ride. I'll probably, like, Make some chicken nuggets or something. They're like, I, I can't afford wings. They're cheap, so I'm cheap, so whatever. Uh, and I'm going to have, you know, like, <laughs> I don't even know. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a good meal and enjoy the game. Monday Night Football is going to be really, really fun. And uh, I'm excited for it. Now, we also have the Rams and the Bills on Sunday. For me, the Rams are better than people realize. The Buffalo Bills are, I think, the best team in the AFC East. Josh Allen looks incredible so far this year. And the Bills have an opportunity to make a statement on Sunday against L.A. We'll see how they play against the Rams. I'm curious because the Rams are better than people realize. And the Bills, if they're what I think they are, should take care of business pretty well. and pretty, like They should win by two touchdowns on Sunday. So we'll see. We're going to learn a lot about the Buffalo Bills on Sunday, how good they actually are against a very solid team on Sunday. We also have the Raiders at the Patriots. Remember last time the Raiders and John Gruden, years and years ago, last time John Gruden took a team to New England, you had the Tom Brady tuck rule game. 
it'll be kind of fun. I'm sure they're going to show that in this matchup. Like, remember back to 2000, I think one or 2000, whatever it was, in the snow, Tom Brady fumbling the ball. Now, what I'm excited about in this game is not only to see what version of the Raiders show up. Can the Raiders beat the Patriots? How cool would that be? But also, how does Bill Belichick, the Patriots head coach, how does he game plan to stop the Raiders tight end, Darren Waller? This incredibly athletic, gifted, physical, you know, receiving tight end. How does New England game plan to stop Darren Waller? And as a result, will that create other opportunities for guys like Henry Ruggs or Brian Edwards? I don't know. I'm really excited to watch the Raiders against the Patriots defense. That'll be very, very fun. A chess match on Sunday. Excited for that game. Now, Texans at Steelers is interesting. The Texans are 0-2. They cannot afford to lose here. And the Steelers are very, very good. So I feel very, very nervous for Brett Coleman and other guys who are Texans fans. And I love Deshaun Watson, the Texans quarterback. I, I, I think the Steelers are going to win this game. And the Texans have to win this game if they're going to stay alive and keep their season afloat this year. Now, the Panthers at Chargers is interesting, partially because, look, the Chargers have a better roster. They are, they're the better team here. Now, they're starting Justin Herbert, this young rookie quarterback. I'm excited to watch him, and I hope that Justin takes a step forward, gets even better in week, in his second start at week three, but his second start of the NFL season. Um, I'm excited to watch Justin Herbert. We'll talk about it. We'll analyze it. I'm not going to overanalyze the game because... From here on out, we got to see, just let Justin make mistakes, let him grow, let him learn. And after like 10 weeks, after he started a significant chunk of games in the NFL, we'll really know how his career is going to go and where it's headed and what he needs to work on. So whatever happens on Sunday with the Panthers at LA, at the Chargers, I don't want to overreact. I want to just be patient and let Justin make mistakes, let him learn, let him grow. We'll really judge him down the road when we can eventually line up, okay, He's doing this well. He's doing this poorly. Let's talk about down the road what he needs to work on and clean up in his game. We also have the Titans at the Vikings on Sunday. Before the year started, I would have told you this is a very, very fun, great, exciting game. And it still might be. It's the NFL. You never know. But after watching the first two weeks of the season, I am afraid for the Vikings, man. The Minnesota Vikings have not looked good. In the first two weeks of the year, they got badly beaten by the Packers, then badly beaten by the Indianapolis Colts. And the Titans are no slouch. They're a good football team. they got a good quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, a really good running game, a very good defense. I am nervous for the Vikings on Sunday. This could be a blowout uh, if things don't go well and don't go their way early on. Now, Washington at the Cleveland Browns. These are two teams in transition, but Washington has this crazy good defensive line. So I, my fear in this game is that Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield could be running for his life. I hope he does well. Uh, I am very interested to watch how Baker Mayfield plays on Sunday. And then can Dwayne Haskins, who's been very uneven this year, can Dwayne Haskins clean things up as a quarterback for Washington? Now, Cowboys at the Seattle Seahawks is very interesting to me. The Cowboys have a lot of talent. Uh, and Seattle's banged up with injuries, so I, I think things work out. It's going to be an interesting game. I'm certainly hoping so. I'm curious what happens there. we got Russell Wilson against Dak Prescott. Russell Wilson's obviously the better quarterback. 
can Dak, I don't know, if Dak can come home and win this game, can, I guess, go to Seattle and win this game, I would be so excited for the Cowboys and their future. I, I want to see Dak keep taking a step forward. He was good at the end of the game last week. How will Dak play down the stretch against Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks? That's what I want to find out and see on Sunday. Now, the Bears at the Atlanta Falcons. <sighs> really, the question is, can the Falcons bounce back from blowing a massive lead last Sunday against the Cowboys? And then how is Mitchell Trubisky going to do? I have no idea. So I just I want to find out, how will Trubisky do? How do the Falcons bounce back? It's a game I don't, I'm not very emotionally invested in, but I'm curious to see what happens between the Bears and the Falcons. Now, there are five games left. And I'm curious to see which of these next five games will turn out to be the big surprise. It goes to overtime or is really, really close and is a lot of fun. Like, what games of the next five I'm going to list that seem like not very interesting, not very good games, at least one of these five is probably going to turn out to be a very interesting surprise football game. Let's get into those next. First, you have the 49ers at the New York Giants. The 49ers have a bunch of injuries, man. Their quarterback is out. Uh, Their tight end, George Kittle, is out. They got a backup quarterback, Nick Mullins, who I really like. Everything I've seen from him so far in his career, I really, really enjoy. He's one of the better backups in the league, in my opinion, from what I've seen up to this moment. Against the Raiders, he was phenomenal. I think Monday Night Football, two years ago maybe, against the Oakland Raiders back then in the Bay Area, the battle for the Bay. Uh, Oh my gosh, man. Uh, Nick Mullins really stepped up. It was awesome. It was a ton of fun. I I am curious. You know, the Giants have an opportunity, like, normally the 49ers and the Giants is not an interesting or good game at all, but because of the 49ers' injuries, the Giants have an opportunity here to at least make it close, if not win. So this is a game, of the five that is, of the five games I look at this week and go, eh, don't really care, this game could be interesting, have a close finish or maybe a surprise ending. That's what I want to see on Sunday from the 49ers and the Giants. You know, the Bengals at the Eagles... Joe Burrow versus Carson Wentz. The Eagles have to win this game. We'll watch as Joe Burrow continues to make progress in the NFL. Um, But this is a game I don't know what to make of it. I think it's two teams that are very subpar. And uh, Carson Wentz better play well against Cincinnati or else it might be getting close to time. Like, it's not, we're not there yet. But I fear that at some point this year, if Carson Wentz doesn't play better, we're going to see Jalen Hurts play this year instead. Um, this is an interesting, interesting storyline down the road. Uh, can Carson Wentz keep his job in Philadelphia? It's literally that bad right now. He hasn't been the same since hurting his back a while ago. And uh, we'll just see how things continue for Carson Wentz down the road. Now, Jets at Colts. The Jets are abysmal. I'm probably not going to watch this game. I can't watch any more New York Jets. I watched the first two games of the week yesterday, and I'm like, I I really don't want to watch any more New York Jets games. They're not very fun. The Colts are, I think, way better up front, and the Colts should win this game very, very easily. The Buccaneers at the Broncos. The Broncos have a ton of injuries. I feel pretty bad for you know Broncos fans. Their quarterback got hurt. The Buccaneers should win easily. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers should dominate this game. Uh, if that doesn't happen, that might be a big surprise on Sunday. The Lions at the Cardinals should also be a blowout. Kyler Murray is the star of this game. He'll be fun to watch. Um, but the last five games of the weekend, the 49ers, Giants, the Bengals, Eagles, Jets at Colts, Buccaneers, Broncos, Lions, Cardinals, they're just not, they're like, ah, eh. I'm sure one of those games will be better than we think looking going into it. 
Uh, but we'll find out. But thank you. That, those are my thoughts on week three. Should be a fun week. Hope you enjoy it. Um, and uh, enjoy football, man. It's going to be a blast. So, guys, that's all I have. Thank you so very much. My voice needs a break. I just talked for about 35 minutes in a row nonstop. Uh, I need to keep drinking water, have a, have a meal, and uh, get this out to you guys. So thank you so much. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.